G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. On the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This week is NAIDOC week in Victoria and next week nationally. Happy NAIDOC week my Indigenous brothers and sisters and a shout out to all those people part of the large rallies for justice in this country over the weekend in Perth, Sydney and Brisbane. This week we look at two classic cases of the boss class stepping over the line in the battle for equality and power sharing in a better society. First up, the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union pushes back as the Federal Liberal National Government tries to govern using gossip by saying employers can't get workers because the job seeker, job keeper payments are too high. People are too comfortable and aren't interested in taking jobs. Is this just part of the PM's way of readying the country for a return to a below poverty rates for unemployed people because the data isn't showing a slowdown in people applying for jobs. In fact, the data is showing there has been a massive increase. We hear from Kirsten O'Connell from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. We follow this with a report about the alleged bashing of CFMEU officials on a construction site in the salubrious suburb of Hawthorne, Melbourne last week. Seven men, a length of wood and an unprovoked attack. This following the exposure of Justice Dyson of the Royal Commission into Union Activities as a serial sexual harasser, allegedly, seems to be exposing what a union like the CFMEU has to put up with on a daily basis. Two years ago, I stood at Trades Hall in Melbourne, having just lost my husband at work. I had just embarked on a steep learning curve. I learned that the death of our workers was no accident. It was a result of a fundamental cultural problem with workplace health and safety in this country. I learned that the systems are not working and that the laws are insufficient. Over the past 12 months, 39 Victorians have not come home from work. Already in 2020, we have lost 25. These people are not just a number on a WorkSafe spreadsheet. They are our people. They leave a huge hole and the harm done by their loss is immeasurable. We remember and honour those who never came home and we commit to carry their memory with us as they continue to work towards the only acceptable number of workplace related deaths, zero. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. When the Prime Minister Scott Morrison, now fondly known as Scotty from marketing in some circles, started the rumour mill last week that employers were reporting that people were too comfortable on job keeper and job seeker payments and aren't interested in taking jobs, the mainstream media picked it up as eagerly as a dog at its watering bowl. That is, until they started researching the facts. Data is showing more job applications, reaching in some cases 150% more. 
Kirsten O'Connell from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union was ropeable at the use of the most vulnerable as a stalking horse in the game of withholding politics. I spoke to her first about the report that one of her members had been visited by a private job agency organisation in his home in what has been understood as a new level of harassment for the unemployed. What happened to Tom, one of our members in Brisbane, is that he had a person from Help Enterprises, which is um, contracted by the government to um, make sure that people complete their mutual obligations to receive their payment. Now, Tom isn't signed up with Help Enterprises. He was in the past. Um, And they came to his house when they say they were doing a welfare check. This was last week or the week before last. Um, Tom... uh, has had a really complex history and people turning up at his house is very distressing, both for him and his daughter. Um, They came twice within two hours. Now, we have looked into this and there is nothing um, preventing job agencies from turning up at a person's house. But in practice, we are not aware of it having happened other than maybe once in the last five years. And obviously, it's quite extraordinary to think that an untrained person could be sent Um, to your home to conduct a so-called welfare check. Um, We did ask, is this person a doctor, a social worker, a psychologist? And, of course, we didn't get an answer on that. Um, Yeah, so it's it's really, I think, uh, concerning because we're not sure whether it's a signal of a new level of aggression that agencies are going to be um, kind of stepping to now. Um, We are working, we're hoping to get the department to actually make a clear regulation that says, they can't do this. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, it's it's something we're watching. It's a very worrying signal. And we, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping it doesn't happen to anyone else, but we have asked all of our members and anyone in the general public to let us know if there are any more reports of this sort of thing happening. What was the purpose uh, for what, what's in it for the uh, organisation to come and visit like that? Yeah, really good question. So... Um, at the moment, um, as you would, as you may know, mutual obligations are suspended. So the activities people normally have to do to receive a payment are not currently in force. Now, that's a problem for job agencies because they make their money when you do stuff. So <laughs> it's us taking action that gives them their money. And one of these activities is when you sign up with a job agency, so they get um, a good chunk of money, and I can't remember the amount off the top of my head, but when you sign on with them, they get paid. Now, Tom is currently receiving a payment and hasn't signed on with a job agency. So it's, it seems even more sinister than um, you would kind of think at first glance because they haven't actually got him as a client. They've used his address information from when he used to be their client, Um They've clearly got some information from the department or from Centrelink that says he's on a payment now. And he's probably on the list of people that they've got to try and sign on their books. Um, But he's not obligated to do any of that right now. So the motivation for them to be paid seems to have been taken to, uh, you know, quite the extreme in this case. Also an interesting misuse of personal information. Absolutely. And so that's what we have checked. We've looked into... Um, so there's a deed that job agencies that dictate what job agencies can do. Um, the deed does not explicitly prohibit um, from them using your address information in this way. Um, 
they are bound by some privacy requirements, but there is a lot of um, flexibility and vague language in those requirements. Um, so although it's not explicitly banned, there is a recommendation that they are supposed to um, make to take certain steps before doing something like this to, to protect people's privacy. So yes, we've put pressure. We're putting pressure on the department. We're putting pressure on the minister. Um, to make the very minor changes that are needed to prevent people from being able to be harassed in their homes. Well, so it seems to be uh, a way of demarcating people on payments as different types of citizens. And this is also leads to the next issue, which is this misreporting or the government by gossip that... Uh, uh, mainstream media has been involved in uh, around the government, uh, the P prime minister's statements about some workers who are getting payments not being so well paid they don't want to go for jobs. Yes, um, it's another absolutely disgusting um, attempt to, I guess, give people the impression that we are, you know, that classic um, derogatory term where dole bludges. Um, there are so many uh, things that demonstrate that that's untrue that it's really hard to know where to start. Um, so I'll think back to a specific um, article because that will help me um, focus. So um, there was a claim by a pub owner in Perth that um, people weren't turning up to work because they, I believe he said that job seeker is a designer drug and that these were rich kids who just stayed at home because they didn't have to work now that they had this higher rate of job seeker. Now, there are so many logical fallacies in that. It's hard to um, pick it all apart. But the first thing is, well, one thing I've been saying quite regularly is, these people don't even know enough about the system to lie about it. That's how uninformed they are. Because if you are, say, person under the age of I think it's 21 and your parents are doing quite well you actually aren't eligible to get a payment so to suggest that the change in the payment has caused um, well-off kids to just stop turning up for shifts at the pub um, is not even plausible because they wouldn't be on a payment in the first place um, people who are on a payment can be penalized for turning down work now at the moment we know there are no mutual obligations so that sort of activity is not being recorded in that way. However, there is obviously a financial incentive to turn up to work. So even on the current rate of job seeker, um, every hour of work you do is still going to mean you have more money in your pocket at the end of the week. So there's no um, financial disincentive to go to work. And the rate at the moment is on the poverty line. So we're certainly not talking about living comfortably. Um, yeah, so as far as we can tell people are desperate for work, there are about 92,000 jobs on seek at the moment and um, at, at least 1.7 million unemployed people in the country. We have had, since those articles started coming out last week, reports from our members and they'll send us screenshots of, um, you know, the rejection letters they're getting and it'll say we had 1,400 applicants for this job. And these are very simple jobs. This is not, I mean, not that you would think that's any better chances if you are a banker, for example, but um, 1,400 people, it's hard to even hope to stand out well enough to get an interview, let alone to get the job. So, um, you know, our response to uh, claims like those is first, check your facts. What you're saying might not even be possible. And secondly, maybe journalists should be asking people about what sort of workplaces there are that a boss is saying they can't get people to come into work to get paid. Is that workplace 
paying people properly? Is there wage theft going on? Um, what sort of boss is that person? How do they behave towards their staff? Are there safe conditions? And we think if people started asking those questions more, we might start to see very, very different stories coming out from these people at the moment who seem so willing to comment um, on the motivations of people who are unemployed. The other thing is, if we get back to the concept of governing by gossip, some people are saying that this is mm. another one of uh, uh, ScoMo's efforts at uh, clearing the ground for uh, reducing uh the payment of uh, Newstart, Jobseeker, Dole, uh, once, uh, as soon as he can, and quite besides job, mm-hmm. JobKeeper. And uh, obviously there's now a, a coalition which your group is part of, the Australian Unemployed Workers Union is part of, which is uh, Living Incomes for Everyone. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so a couple of things. Obviously, yes, at the moment we're getting signals that the government will cut um, the payment and they're talking about doing that on 24 September at the moment. There'll be more information coming out in the next couple of weeks, but at the moment we're deeming that poverty day because any cut to the payment will take us below the poverty line again. Um, There are a number of different um, kind of bigger ideas around ways to... um, sort of manage the idea of unemployment long-term because changing the rate is one thing, but it doesn't change the dynamics we've just talked about. It doesn't change necessarily people's perspective of what unemployment is or why people are unemployed. So um, the approach that we would like to see, and we are lucky to have good company um, with us in this, is a combination of uh, jobs guarantee, which would be um, good quality well-paid, good conditions jobs um, in the public service for big projects that the government either needs to undertake. So, for example, there's countless things that need to be done for a rapid transition um, to a carbon neutral economy. Um, There are many underserved parts of the public service. So, for example, we would recommend that they hire some people for Centrelink. Um, And there are lots of other departments that could do with having their capacity be rebuilt. So, that's a jobs guarantee component. The types of wages you'd expect there are the same types of wages people get to do those jobs now. So it's not, um, you know, bring in lower paid people to sort of do the grunt work. It's create jobs, create training, um, create a pipeline into meaningful employment for everyone who wants it. Um, the other side of that then, and people often say, well, then you end up with forced employment. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about... Um, work being available and projects that are important to the nation being able to be done. We are also talking about a livable income guarantee. And that means if you aren't able to work or if you aren't able to find work that suits you, um, that you are not going to be left in poverty while you either, you know, just figure out how you're going to get a job that you want find a job that, you know, you may be in the private sector, you may be being bullied, you may need to leave that situation. So we don't want people to be thrown into deep poverty because of that. We want people to feel secure and give themselves time to to regroup. So um, the livable income guarantee would be closer to like something like the minimum wage right now. Um, It would mean that, yes, people have safety and people who are disabled would be people who may not have the same work capacity as others 
that payment would make sure that everyone, regardless of their circumstances, is able to live an, an, an ordinary life, you know, do some basic things like occasionally go and visit family if you need to travel to do that, um, be able to keep your bills paid up to date, eat proper food, eat fresh food. That's one thing we've heard a lot from our members since um, the rate went up of job seekers, just that they can eat fresh food more often. So a livable income guarantee coupled with a jobs guarantee, we think is... Um, the closest to the perfect solution to um, the current kind of dynamic of how employees can be exploited by workers and then when workers are in unwaged work, you know, living on JobSeeker, um, that they basically can't survive enough at all to get themselves into a better position. You know, it's interesting that uh, the concept of work and uh, applying for work and in the COVID situation that actually the amount of people applying for work has increased um mm-hmm. over a hundred percent you know in some cases I think that it's interesting that uh, uh, the government as it stands uh, appears to misunderstand what work offers people uh, they think it's just about money and I think it says something about them that they don't realize that work mm. is about integrating people into society. It it's means so much more, that people actually like to work. And, I mean, on top of that, I would add work as people conceive of it because of that um, idea that it's all about money. At the moment, we focus very much on work that may, um, you know, pay you a good wage, but we don't focus on the work of, you know, creating babies and looking after them once they're born or caring for other people in your community in ways that isn't paid, informal support to people around you. Um, All of that is work. Um, There's things that people do for leisure that maybe if they had more capacity, they could turn into um, work that would actually produce things for others. So people who enjoy gardening for themselves, if they didn't have to go to their job in marketing, which doesn't produce any material good for anyone, you know, may be able to go and do something more with their gardening that actually produce things for the people around them to enjoy. So, yes, it would be really nice to have a reimagining of the concept of work, how we define it and how we um, determine who should be waged and who should be unwaged because at the moment that system is very broken. You're on Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News and Social Justice Issues. Last week, early Tuesday, two young CFMEU union officials arrived at an East Hawthorne site to investigate safety issues and were set upon by seven heavies. In a gobsmacking approach to OH&S, the company involved has caused an outcry from CFMEU members who gathered over the following days to rally against the attack. But I will let Gorilla from the Concrete Gang, the CFMEU weekly update on 3CR, tell the story. Yeah, uh, Turak Road, uh, Hawthorne, on the corner of Turak Road on the freeway there. You'll see the big white crane there. Um, on the Tuesday, two of our organisers went, young organisers went down because there's been heaps of complaints to the union about the safety down there and not the protection for the public and people going past. They were um, uh, uh, right, right, riding an ARIO and, and from behind they got jumped by seven blokes off the job. One bloke swung a, a, a lump of timber and, and cleaned up uh, Ronnie, at one of our young organisers, big Ronnie. It must have been a big lump of timber to stop him. But anyway, he got knocked straight out, broke his eye socket, and uh, uh, they kicked him when he was on the ground. Jumped on him. Jumped on him, kicked him. Um, and then um, 
Paulie, uh, uh, their other organiser, was doing his best trying to protect um, uh, Ronnie on the ground and, and try and handle seven blokes. Did a did a sterling job. It's all I think it's all on film. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, they had to ring an ambulance and, and uh, obviously get Ronnie to the hospital because he was knocked out and all that. And uh, but anyway, it was a massive shit fight. So then we we got other organisers down there, pretty pretty heated there for a while. Um, uh, I, Plus this, this, this. I think this job here is is uh, connected with that that the, the developers that did the court. Is it court? Was it Corkman Corkman Hotel? Corkman Hotel and Carlton. Everyone would remember that one when they had a. Um, uh, you couldn't you couldn't um, tear it down because it was heritage listed. It had no permits. So that didn't stop them. They tore it down. It was full of asbestos. They carved the asbestos away and dumped it all over. Dumped it all over the town. Uh, in Carolyn Springs, just near a um, kindergarten where kids were, you know, obviously kids play. There they got caught. Uh, they were fined over a million dollars. They appealed it. They dropped the fines, but it doesn't matter because they, 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 these people just don't pay them. They've never paid the fines. But reality is, they've never paid any of those. But have a guess what happened to us? Because we had a, a, a sort of bit of a rally down there for for two or three days. The coppers were there. The horses. It was it was all go. They uh, charged uh, one of our members for, uh, what would you call it, uh, uh, organising a meeting when the COVID's, COVID's uh, yeah. on. So he, he got fined, uh, Perky, our good mate Perky, the Perkmeister, he got fined 1600 for the first day. Three times. Six, yes, I think twice, 1600 well, Social distances. We we're all doing our best. And if he's told if he comes back again, he'll be locked up. And the, the reality of that is, like... We get that, hmm. and these 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 rats that have done doing this job have never paid any of their fines, yeah. and they got police protecting their job against us. Yeah, I mean the reality is, I mean you just you look look at all this in the big picture, and and, and you know there's all sorts of threats made against people. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen in 50 years in the industry, and uh, they, there's been a meeting held, and there's no more work to go on the job until these characters have kicked off the job, and and so forth, so I don't know what's going to happen, what the fix is going to be, but to our two organised, Ronnie and Paulie did a fantastic job, but no one deserves that. No, no. one just doing your job. We've, we've all been involved in heated debates and a bit of pushing and shoving, but for seven people to jump them and belt the bejesus out of them, it's just, you know, it's one of the, one of the worst things I've heard for ages. And uh, it was great to see the turnout came down there. It was probably three or four hundred of our blokes down there each day, and... Uh, Every day the coppers were building up more and more. They thought, you know, that we we're outnumbered. I think last day it was about 200 and they even actually brought the horses. There was plenty there for I think I remember one of those horses from the from the Grollo um, <laughs> dispute. Did the Mexican hat dance something, I think. But anyway. Like the gorilla said, like, obviously the boys are putting their legal paperwork in to go on the job and then got sneaky, didn't even get it out of their hands and then got sneakied. Ronnie got knocked out clean with it. Some sort of object hit from, behind. hit from behind, and then seven of them kicked him, kicked him, and jumped on him while he was on the ground, knocked out unconscious. And then the boys weren't the ones who called the police; they called the police. The seven or eight of them jumped their lads. We aren't going to stand for that. The union's not going to stand for that, and the membership of the union's not going to stand for it. And all the trade unions are there. The secretary's coming out pretty strong about all that, you know. And because uh, imagine if it had it been us doing that, exactly. Oh, please talk about. Royal commissions and then what? Yeah, so it's just—I mean, people don't believe it. Believe it uh, till we till we tell them what's actually happened on the job. But 
have to say, we were talking to the the police down there, and they brought in the police horse, and they said, well, they were trying to move people on, obviously, because of the COVID-19. And we said to them, it's a bit extreme bringing the police horse down for COVID-19 crowd dispersion. But uh, that's where they're at. And we had, I mean, everyone was quite aware of that, and we were trying our best to keep apart. I mean, we had a... You know, organisers down there trying to keep it. It wasn't if we were just taking no notice of us, but but we had masks and, and, and we had masks and all that. So we were making an effort. We understand what you know at the at the time. It's not good for that type of thing, but we're, we're not going to walk away from two of our organisers getting laid out by seven thugs. Mm. Unions have rights. The developers have this whole history behind them about the Corkman Hotel being destroyed. Also, they were prosecuted for dumping a whole lot of asbestos out in uh, Carolyn Springs area in the middle of a housing estate. Next to a kindergarten. They've been involved in a number of altercations about demolition that they have done around this city over the years. And so this is nothing new. They're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I would have thought that the state government made a lot of uh, statements in relation to the Corkman. Nothing happened. yet... These same people, these same people, there's no doubt about who the people are, are getting building permits. They are not being in any way brought to task Justice by the, the government. Not paying their fines. It, it's just... And weren't they supposed to bring that, that hotel back to its yes, original... Yes. Yeah, that's never happened. No. Mm. So how do they continue on getting permits? Wouldn't they just, just you know, stop them doing it, you know? Yeah. And some of the people working on the job are also connected to uh, various problems from the past, and one of those is the fatality out at Box Hill. Oh, yes. The people who were involved with the crane out there are the people who are manning the crane at East Hawthorne. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's exactly right, Warren. So, so you put them all together, and what do you get? Disaster. OK, okay Corral. OK Corral. And make their final stand Okay, Corral Oh, my dearest one must I Lay down my gun or take The chance of losing you forever Duty calls That's it for Stick Together this week. Just a note, the Victorian Trades Hall Council is working with Australia Refugee Council to provide food to residents of the nine public housing towers that have been put into extreme lockdown in Melbourne, with 500 police deployed to keep them in their flats because over 100 cases of COVID have been found in the towers, which house 3,000 residents. Money is being raised to support these families by the VHTC. Go to supportpublichousingresidents.raiserly.com. We will put the link on our podcast page. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Annie. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together.